Morena, my name's Colin. There's an old joke um, about a lost traveller who approaches a farmer, asking, how do you get to this destination? And the farmer says, oh, well, if I was going there, I wouldn't start from here. <laughs> in um, 2013, I found myself in Bangladesh, in Champur, and we were, I had to get some photographs printed. We'd been helping out a school um, they wanted a bunch of cards that illustrated things that would teach people English. And so we had a picture of the principal waving her finger at students um, uh, to do naughty and people queuing up. and all. It was a bit of a success, but we had to get these photos printed. So I went and I stood in the line of this Photoshop um, and waited, because there were a whole line of people. And while I was waiting, I was looking just over the way there was one of the people who was at the front of the line. He'd been sent with his USB stick to a computer, and there was a guy with, there with the computer, and he'd pulled up the first picture, which was of this guy and his girlfriend. And then he photoshopped them. It was really weird. Um, he edited the girl first. He made her skin lighter. Um, he made her eyes bigger, other things bigger as well, and other things smaller. He changed her skin tone, he lightened the colour of her dress, and then he set to work on the boy, and did, I actually can't remember what he did to the boy, or I don't know what that tells you about me, but I was just, I was kind of going, what are you doing? And, and I was thinking, this is pretty weird, you know, because they, they did actually look quite different in the photo version of themselves, and I was like, this is strange. And then, this is the bit that really blew me away, then he marked the complete background of the picture, deleted it, and dragged in an entirely different background. So what they had was a photo of them that didn't look like them in a background they hadn't been to. And I mean, that's weird enough. But then he did it for the next 20 photos, the same thing. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, why would you want photos that aren't really of you in places you haven't been? What are you going to do with these? It was just, it did my head in completely, and, and my bungler is not non-existent, really. But when I got to the counter, I had to, no, I don't want that done with these photos. I, I want them to be the real things and real people in the real place. And I don't know where they were going, but they certainly didn't want to start from here. We know, I mean, posting on social media, you don't post your worst photos, do you? Now, we are selective in what we do. We want to show our best selves to the world. We are careful about the face we show to the world. But God is interested in all of us, not just the photoshopped version. God is interested in not just the external, but in foundations. Um, so, by the way, it, it was a bit like this. This is the same girl in the photo one heavily photoshopped. Why would you do that? Okay, I'm showing my age. There's lots of reasons to do it, I'm sure. Last week, I mean, we should know about foundations because this building, that's part of why we're going through the change. It's foundations. There are some foundations that need to be fixed. And probably most of us before the 2011 earthquake didn't think a lot about foundations. But after it, we've thought a lot about them, haven't we? And we've learned about TC1, 2, and 3 in red zones, and we've seen what happens to uh, houses if the foundations aren't flash. And here we are here, we've been stripping out the building because we've got things to fix. And last week, Lester spoke and told us that he reckoned the good news of Jesus rested on the foundations of grace and mercy. Grace being 
what we don't deserve, getting what we don't deserve, and mercy being not getting what we do deserve. And he reckons, I think he's right, the good news of Jesus rests on these twin foundations. If you want to follow Jesus, you're on a road with the foundations of grace and mercy only possible because the God, love of God reaches further than we think. But the problem with foundations is they're not what you see. Everything rests on them, but they're underneath you and you can't see them. And so now when we buy a house, we buy a, uh, get a building report, don't we? Somebody go and have a look. And anybody, how many people here had people drill in their backyard to see what their section was like? Anyone? Yeah, fair number. Trying to see what's going on underneath the surface. Now, we're reading our way through Luke, and Luke is in the middle of a, what they call the Sermon on the Plain, not on the Mount. And he's stopped, and he's addressing his followers, the disciples. But in the crowd, there will be all sorts of people, including Pharisees. And what I'd like us to do is... Um, I'd like us to read this bit out loud. It's, it's covering a bit of what Lester had last week, but partly because this passage comes in a context. And what I'd like to do is suggest that uh, we're going to read from a version called the voice version, which is not a great version to study from, um, but a really good version to read out loud. It's kind of designed to read out loud. Um, and I've broken it into two. So over here, roughly over here, if you're anywhere around about this area, you can decide where you read. If you could read the yellow... And we'll listen to them reading the yellow. And over here, if you could read the cyan. Is it cyan? <laughs> blue. Okay, yeah. Um, blue, blue, primary colors. Okay, does that sound all right? So here we go. If you're listening, here's my message. Keep doing good to those who hate you. Listen, what's the big deal if you love people who already love you? Even scoundrels do that much. So what if you lend to people who are likely to repay you? Even scoundrels lend to scoundrels if they think they're going to be fully repaid. If you want to be extraordinary, love your enemies. Do good without restraint. Lend with abandon. Don't expect anything in return. Then you will receive the truly great reward. You will be children of the Most High, for God is kind to the ungrateful and those who are wicked. So imitate God and be truly compassionate the way your Father is. Can you hear the foundations? You could call this how to live in grace and mercy. Love your enemies. Imitate God. Be slow to judge. And that last line, you'll receive in the same measure that you give. And then Jesus figures, uh, like some of you are doing now, <coughs> I wonder if they're daydreaming. So... At this point, I reckon Jesus starts telling a bunch of, uh, drawing a bunch of cartoons. 
They are cartoon illustrations, and they're all a bit ridiculous. Um, Anyone remember that business in Harry Potter um, with the, the, the boggle? How do you get rid of a boggle? Is it, a, is it ridiculous? Boggit. Oh, my goodness. That's slack. Boggit. Thank you. Um, cartoons are about illustrating the ridiculous. Showing something, driving something home. So here's a little cartoon. Here's, um, I quite like Calvin and Hobbes. Here he is building a snow fort. This will be my strongest fort ever. With these massive walls, I'll be safe from any attack. Help! It's ridiculous, but it's kind of funny. It makes you laugh because... Well, it makes me laugh. It might not make you laugh. Because Calvin's being silly. He's being ridiculous. And it makes me laugh because... Good cartoons make you see yourself. I do this. You build a wall. If you Photoshop yourself lots, what are you going to do when you step into the world? Because people are going to see you as you are. The best cartoons tell us something about ourselves and have this little bit of ridiculousness in them. And what Jesus is going to do is give us a bunch of stories that are ridiculous and they're designed to make us look in the mirror, to tell us something about ourselves They're like cartoons. Here's another one. Monday, mum says, get up. Tuesday, get up. Wednesday, get up. Thursday, she's sick in bed with a cup. And there's Jeremy saying, it's not my fault my alarm got laryngitis. (laughs) Now, I think that's funny. Why is that funny? A part of it is, well, as a parent, you kind of... um, can relate to that. As a teenager, you do relate to the getting up, and man, that can be hard. Um, but there's a little bit of humor, and there's Jeremy not really getting that actually there's more to this picture, completely unaware, kind of not self-aware. The joke is in him not understanding maybe he could set an alarm. Not that um, when I was that age, I can remember that I couldn't set the alarm. So I reckon what Jesus does is tell us some verbal cartoons. Here's the first one. Jesus told them this parable. What happens if a blind man leads a blind man? Won't both of them fall into a pit? You can't turn out a better, t- better than your teacher. When you're fully taught, you will resemble your teacher. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? A blind man leading a blind man? Apologies, if you're blind here, I'm not trying to be blindest. Or... It's, it's a silly, ridiculous picture where Jesus is asking us to ask, well, what are the people you're following like? Do they know where they're going? It's inviting us to question ourselves. Um, And now get there, but I don't think churches just about follow the leader. Thank you. Well done. Thanks, Morgan. Second cartoon. Speaking of blindness, why do you focus on the speck in your brother's eye? Why? Don't you see the log in your own? How can you say to your brother, Oh, brother, let me take, help you take that little speck out of your eye when you don't even see the big log in your own eye? What a hypocrite. Take the, first, take the log out of your own eye, then you'll be able to see clearly enough to help your brother with the speck in his eye. It's ridiculous too, isn't it? Here, can I help you with your problem? <laughs> Probably not. It's a cartoon This is, um, what's the phrase? The pot calling the kettle black? Yep, old people know what that one is. Younger people are, what? You don't have black pots, do you? 
We don't have black spots now. But we do this constantly, don't we? Have you noticed how cross you can get with somebody else's mistake on the road and ignore your own? This is just absolutely constant to us, and it's actually a really attractive way of living. There's some satisfaction in being cross with how other people live. Um, yep, I won't go into the other. One more, one more cartoon in here. Um, this one's a little bit more difficult for us because we don't, most of us live off figs, and in um, hot climates, the wonderful thing about fig trees is that they bear fruit, they can bear fruit three or four times in a year. So it's a re and, and figs last, you can dry them and keep them going, so they're a really attractive fruit for them. Okay, count on this, no good tree bears bad fruit, and no bad tree bears good fruit. You can know a tree by the fruit it bears. You don't find figs on a thorn bush, and you can't pick grapes from a briar bush. It's the same with people. A person full of goodness in his heart produces good things. A person with an evil reservoir in his heart pours out evil things. The heart overflows in the words a person speaks. Your words reveal what's within your heart. Can you imagine going for a walk in Bottle Lake, and there's a big gorse bush, and you look inside, and there's a bunch of grapes hanging off there? It's ridiculous. <laughs> But that's the picture he paints. But there's a bunch of grapes from a gorse bush. He's saying that doesn't happen. And that comment, the heart overflows in the words a person speaks. Your words reveal what's within your heart. Now I have to say that phrase is a weapon if you use it on someone else. But it's quite disturbing when you use it for yourself. What are your words revealing? And I want to note that Jesus does not say, if evil stuff comes out of you, <coughs> well, we need to sort that out. Time for you to pray. Time for you. It, 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 this is an illustration to say what's inside of us comes out. He's acknowledging that bad stuff comes out of us. I reckon each of these three cartoons say, drive home Jesus' earlier statement, don't rush to judge. He's asking us to judge ourselves. He's holding up a mirror in front of us and saying, well, how are you looking? And then he tells one more ridiculous story, and it really is ridiculous. He's going to drive it home. Uh, we don't think it is because we've trotted it out so often in church and taught it in Sunday school. We've forgotten that it's just silly. Okay? And this is the story of the man who builds his house on rock and the man who builds his house on sand. You don't do that. You don't build a house at low tide and then act surprised when the sea comes up and you no longer have a house. We don't do that, do we? It's silly. Okay, so here it goes. What good is it to mouth the words, Lord, Lord, if you don't live by my teachings? What matters is that you come to me, hear my words, and actually live by them. If you do that, you'll be like the man who wanted to build a sturdy house. He dug down deep and anchored his foundation to solid rock. During a violent storm, the floodwaters slammed against the house, but they couldn't shake it because of solid craftsmanship. It was built upon rock. On the other hand, if you hear my teachings and don't put them into practice, you'll be like the careless builder who didn't bother to build a foundation under his house when the floodwaters barely touched that pathetic house that crashed in ruins in the mud. And you think about that builder, what kind of idiot? And that's the questions Jesus is asking, is what kind of idiot are we? 
If our words don't match up with our actions, well, what kind of an idiot are we? And bear in mind, in the lead into this, we've heard a lot from the Pharisees who are really quick to judge. So I can't help but think there's some pointing at the Pharisees here, but I've got to be careful. As soon as you take these words and you point them towards someone else, I think you're missing that Jesus is speaking to these guys and every one of these stories asks you to look at yourself. So I'm kind of, I, don't, I don't want to go there, tempting as that is. I think that Jesus is on about foundations here. And I think the good news is if you came up to Jesus and said, how do I get to whatever destination? He'd say, well, the good news is here is a great place to start. Where you are right now, who you are right now. It's a great place to start. Because if you have to present a photoshopped version of yourself to the world, it's exhausting. You have to hide away. But God knows you inside and out and loves you inside and out. And it starts from here where you really are. And I reckon that's great news. I reckon we're supposed to be a community that's not quick to judge, slow to judge, that keeps extending the benefit of the doubt to each other, that's resting on those twin foundations of mercy and grace. And I'd love to belong to a community that accepts people and loves people and does not judge them, where each of us is paying attention to who we are, becoming aware of who we are. And I reckon a community like that has a huge amount to offer to the world. He does too. Have to work tomorrow. <laughs> and I reckon these cartoons all ask us to look. I think Jesus is asking us to be self-aware, aware of ourselves. And that's a mixed blessing. There's a reason the Pharisees Road is really popular. If you are genuinely looking at yourself in the mirror, what things do you notice? You notice the flaws. If you're genuinely paying attention to yourself, well, none of us is actually who we think we should be. We're not. We become aware of ourselves, of the things we don't like, of our blemishes and our sins, and that's not that comfortable. So actually, could we talk about the speck in your eye? Because that's less uncomfortable for me. That's about your stuff. And my stuff, I've had it for a long time, and some of it hasn't gone away. It keeps repeating. And actually, I'm quite uncomfortable with that discussion because if I could have solved this already, I would have. What comes out of my mouth, if it's an indication of what is inside, not everything inside is great. I'm a mixed bag. So I get the temptation to pay attention to someone else's faults. I, I really do. I, I think it's diverting and distracting. It's much easier and safer to focus on someone else's baggage. But that leads to a road without grace and mercy. And I get very nervous when I step outside the church and I listen to what people say about the church. I get nervous because... They seem to perceive church as a community that's in a rush to pass judgment on others. 
I get nervous. In some cases, uh, I'll name sexuality as one. They suspect that that's um, motivated by fear, control, and repression. I'm not describing what's going on. I'm not describing what it seems to look like to people outside. They seem to think that we think our job is to go and tell everybody else how they should live. And they think that church is a place where we play Photoshop pretend. You come to church in your best clothes, dressed us tightly to look good. I don't know about you, but I've had conversations with others, and this is what they think. Not everyone. The funny thing is the same people, if you ask them about Christians, they say entirely different things. They will talk about people who love, people who give, people who care, people who run craft groups, people who invest in the life of others. They actually have a different response. So where are we going and where do we start from? I reckon we always start from where we are now. And that's what Jesus is doing, is asking us to consider that. I read a story this week of a um, fiction story, a butler who sent, his, sent somebody's kids to school each day and would ask them uh, each day as they went out the door, he'd say, remember who you are, make good choices. Not bad, remember who you are. So how do we do that? These are my reflections. You may well have different ones from this passage. Remembering who we are and making good decisions. Well, I don't think it's being self-aware is about staring at your navel. I think we need things outside of ourselves. And I think reading hunks of scripture, spending time with Jesus is really helpful for us. I'm, uh, I struggle in prayer. I'm fascinated by the number of people who say, pray the Psalms. Pray the Psalms not because they're easy to pray, actually they're quite hard to pray. But because they don't fit us, but the point isn't that they fit us, it's that over time you start to fit them. Right? There's some jarringness in praying the Psalms, but this sense of something outside of us, and for me that's Jesus' time, reading hunks of the Bible. And if you don't read, find yourself an audio Bible. Just have a hunk going, listen to it. You may not get it, but maybe you don't have to always get it. It shapes us. Another way I reckon we can remember who we are, I reckon we can help each other. They say you don't really get to know who you are by looking in a mirror. You get to know who you are with your friends. It takes a bit of courage to say, what am I like, really? What are people going to say? And that will include stuff that people like and stuff that people don't like. Probably it'll include things that you are proud of and things that you're not proud of. Kind of describes marriage a bit, doesn't it? You get to know someone. And we need other people to help us know who we are. And probably, this is kind of like a town hall-sized meeting, this isn't the best place for it. You need smaller groupings. I think that's um, life groups, meeting with people for coffees, longer-term sustained relationships. I think that's really important. That's part of why in this church we've noticed we want to build deeper relationships with one another and we want to build relationships of depth with people outside of ourselves. It seems to be, I'm not certain of this, 
But there seems to be that the thing that all our technology, are these are great, but it steals from us time just me by myself. Alone time. Because it offers to distract or give you, I can have a book with me everywhere. That's so wonderful. But actually we need to spend some time just us. And so you read at the moment, outside of the Christian world, you'll see people having technology fasts. To be okay with who I really am, the person that God loves, the real one, not the one on good show. I think we need hang time. You could call it Sabbath. Time to just be, this is who I am, the one that God loves. I think that will lead us to... Um, coming back to Jesus because when I do this, I do become aware um, that I, like the rest of you, am not what I should be. <laughs> and that leads me to confess. I'm really sorry how often I screw up. And last but fun. All of those cartoons, they're ridiculous. They're just fun. And Christians, we are famous for being Evangelical Christians are famous for being intense. We're out to change the world. But actually, if Jesus is telling what is essentially a set of cartoons that are funny, there's a place for taking the mick, enjoying being with each other. There's a place for the ridiculous, for occasionally letting the wind out of a sails, the sails of someone who might get a little pompous, particularly someone behind a pulpit. To enjoy each other's company. I reckon these are my musings. How would be we be a community that's real, that's not photoshopped? I just want to read a little bit of that passage back to you. If you want to be extraordinary, love your enemies. Do good without restraint. Lend with abandon. Don't expect anything in return. If you don't want to be judged, don't judge. If you don't want to be condemned, don't condemn. If you want to be forgiven, forgive. Don't hold up, back. Give freely and you'll have plenty poured back into your lap. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, brimming over. You'll receive in the same measure you give. What I'd like to do is pray. And then... I'm just planning to be quiet for 30 seconds, maybe even a minute. And I'd like you to pay attention to the thing that's bubbling up from you. I just go, God, here's this. After that, we'll have a benediction and we'll have soup and tea and coffee and talk. Loving Father saving Jesus, spirit who is amongst us now. Forgive us for hiding, for playing Photoshop, let's pretend church. You love all of us, every part of us, passionately. Forgive us for our blindness, our bad fruit, our logs in our eyes. Lead us to your feet. Gift us with generosity of spirit.
grace and mercy. Make fun of us affectionately. Strip back our face paint and our masks so we may see you as you are and in the light of that see ourselves as we are. Bring us back to your grace and mercy, your forgiveness and your deep, deep, overwhelming love. We're not going to sing a final song. I'm going to read a benediction to you. If you'd like to pray with someone, we'd love that. If you know nobody, come and ask me. If you come and ask somebody you think, oh, they look trustworthy, and just say, can I have a talk, and can we bring this to God? When you're in conversation, feel free to talk about the weather, the rugby, um, or some other sport of choice. But don't feel, to, feel free to not only talk about that. You are God's servants gifted with dreams and visions. Upon you rests the grace of God like flames of fire. Love and serve the Lord in the strength of the Spirit. May the deep peace of Christ be with you. The strong arms of God sustain you. And the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you in every way. Amen.